This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It is my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories and wisdom. This thing called life can be challenging, and the stories that are shared demonstrate that no matter what you have gone through, you can choose happiness. Since in the United States, Mother's Day is in May, I want to dedicate this episode to all of the amazing moms out there. I recently wrote an article sharing my three steps to alleviate mom guilt for a local magazine, and I thought I would share some of it with you. So mom guilt is a common theme that all mothers share. It doesn't matter what choices we make regarding our children, we still get that pesky feeling that we could be doing more for our kids. I read an article from Psychology Today that said, mom guilt can be a good thing if it serves as a gentle reminder that our actions toward our children matter. But if guilt is your primary emotion, it can negatively impact your parenting. It is also important to remember that kids will test their their mom, and it's normal, and to recognize that all children will have challenges no matter what kind of mom they have. So here are my three steps that I use whenever I start to feel this mom guilt, which, by the way, I didn't even realize it was a thing until I, until I started researching this article. But I also use these steps to help me anytime a negative emotion surfaces because we're human and they're going to keep coming up. So first is feel the feelings. What you are feeling is real. And it's absolutely normal. As humans, it is in our DNA to protect ourselves. It's the fight or flight response that we are all wired with. So give yourself a break and feel the emotion. It's okay to feel this way, and you are perfectly human to be experiencing this. Second, ask yourself, is this true? Am I a bad mother? So unless you're you know, leaving your small children unattended at 10 p.m. to go bar hopping, you're not, a, you're not a bad mom, okay? All you're doing is making up a story that is not true. When I say making up a story, what I'm referring to is that voice in your head that wants to shame you, make you wrong, make you feel guilty, and so on. Third, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the guilt that you are feeling or any other negative emotion that may be surfacing. I recently was reintroduced to an ancient Hawaiian healing practice, and I found it to be such a very powerful way to forgive yourself. So to forgive yourself, say to yourself, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. So if you would like to learn more about this topic and how to work with me personally, please visit sandyscarlotta.com to schedule a free call and also to get access to a free digital copy of my book, Happiness Solved. I also invite you to join my growing community by texting me at area code 703-420-3472 to receive daily inspirational messages. Again, that number is 703-420-3472. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy it. guest is Ryan Harbuck. 
Ryan was in a terrible, paralyzing car accident in her teens, and it left her with a new life to build. Rarely looking back, she became a swim coach and a high school teacher. She traveled to India for experimental stem cell treatment. She fought hard to make the Paralympic swim team, and she even became a mom. With so many stories to tell and lessons to learn, Ryan did the only thing she could. She wrote a book. This is such an inspirational interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Ryan, hello there. It's so nice to meet you. How's everything going today? Good, good. Thank you. It's a little. I'm in Colorado, and we had a bunch of snow last night, so it's a little chilly here today. Oh wow! The birds are chirping. They want it to be spring. It's just not here yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I'm on the East Coast, outside of Washington D.C., and. We had 70 degree weather a few days ago, but it's in the 50s now and, and it's March and March 1st of every year. I do a happy dance because we get really, really cold. We don't get a lot of snow, but it, it by March, you know, yes, the birds are every day and it's like, yes, <laughs> made it through another. <laughs> All right. So you have a very interesting story and I'm so so sorry to hear about what you went through when you were a teen. Um, but, but let's go ahead and dive in and talk about what you went through and, and we'll just, we'll just move on from there. Yeah, of course. So, um, most notably when I was 16 years old, I was in a pretty bad car accident that, um, I was driving with a group of friends back from a school dance and there were six of us in the vehicle. And um, nobody really knows what happened, but the vehicle ended up crossing the median of the highway and hitting traffic coming the other direction. And I flew out of the vehicle. Everybody was hurt instantly. There were two fatalities, one from our car and one from the car we hit. Um, as I fell out, flew out of the car and landed on the highway, um, I don't have any recollection of the evening of the accident, nothing. Uh, your brain sort of uh, helps to protect you and it turns off really traumatic events. And so um, everything that I know is just from what I've been told from uh, state troopers, uh, EMS, things like that. It's never really an, a huge emotional tie to talk about it. It's just like the story that once I was told and then I just keep retelling it. But um, um, when the paramedics found me, I had lost a lot of blood. I wasn't breathing. They didn't really know what they could do, if anything. And so they literally just put me on an ambulance, sent me to the hospital and um, hoped that I made it there. Um, and clearly I did. I made it to the hospital and um, it was very apparent that I had a spinal cord injury. And so um, I had been paralyzed from about the rib cage down from the accident. And then, but beyond that, I was really fighting for my life. I wasn't breathing. I had collapsed my lungs. I had severe road rash and I had broken both my legs, both my arms. So I was in pretty bad shape. Um, and I was in pretty bad shape for a while. I spent uh, a month in the ICU unit in, in, um, it was probably about a week after I was hospitalized where I start to develop memories where I actually sort of remember being there and, um, and kind of figuring out what had happened and what my, you know, my body had been through. Um, but after, 
after the month in the ICU unit, I spent about another month in a multi-trauma unit, just sort of like gaining some muscle mass and energy back and feeding myself, you know, just very, very basic needs kinds of things. And then um, I live in Colorado and I, I did at the time and I'm lucky enough that from there I was moved to a hospital that's specific to brain and spinal cord injuries. And it's one of the best in the country. And it just so happened to be like 10 miles from the house that I grew up in. And um, so from there, I kind of, I was able to really learn what my new life was going to be like using a wheelchair. I was paralyzed from the rib, rib cage down, no movement, no feeling. And um, as a 16 year old, it was, um, it was a lot of things. Um, and, but I always kind of explain to people that I think it happened at a really good time for me, my accident, because I think I was just a kid. I was naive and I didn't really spend a lot of time dwelling on what had happened or what was taken away from me. And I was really more, um, I guess, more interested in figuring out how I was going to go hang out with my friends at the mall at the end of the day. And, um, and so I didn't spend a lot of time being really depressed or upset about what had happened. And um, I had always been an athlete as well. And I think that that helped me too, because it gave me the mindset of, okay, if I right. practice this and then I can do this and then here's my goal. And, um, and so, you know, once I got out of the hospital, it was, I had this new life and, Luckily, I don't have that memory of the accident. And so it was really easy for me to sort of separate what my life was and then what my life was going to be. And they were completely different entities and they didn't intersect very often. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is just horrific. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's it's. Whew. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I do, I do feel lucky that I don't have memories of it. Um, and I think that, you know, even after, years after I didn't fully process it, I think it took me probably until I started writing a book about it, writing about my experiences, um, you know, a decade later, longer, that yeah. I really started to understand that that my life was different and that I had tragedy in my life and I had to figure out how to still live. Thank you for jumping in. I was about to start bawling my eyes out. And I think <laughs> it brings up emotions in me because I'm so sorry. As a mother, mm -hmm. it is every parent's worst nightmare. I was just sitting here thinking about what your mom and dad went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I know <laughs> I will say to this day, neither of them really talk about it. Um, and I, I know wholeheartedly that that accident was worse on my family and my friends at the time. Um, yeah. Because I know what it feels like to be in the position, in the opposite of position where you feel helpless. When something's right. happening to you, it's you and you figure it out and you, you know, you, you have that onus. And, but when something really bad happens. 
happens to somebody you love, you feel completely out of control and you feel, you know, yeah. really helpless. And, um, and so on some level, I think that that accident was, was far harder on my little bubble than it was ever on me. Wow. Wow. So what were you wearing? So <laughs> interestingly enough, they were never able, the, the, stage troopers, they, paramedics, no one was ever able to determine because, um, my seatbelt, the, the, the car was pretty trashed, but my seatbelt that I would have been sitting in was, was ripped. Um, but, and they okay. did tests on the fibers of the seatbelt and everything came back inconclusive, but I've always sort of lived my yeah. life with the notion that I hope I was because that, Right. Alone gives me the sense of, okay, I did everything that I could in my power to prevent this from happening and it still happened. And so not having you know, to live with yeah. regret is a huge piece of my everyday life and things that, um, um, experiences that I've had, I've done to do them with the least amount of regret possible. And that's something that I've always sort of lived with. And so that was probably instilled from that moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I only thought of that because I was in, or, well, I was in two car accidents. Um, one I was driving and one that I wasn't. And this was back in the 80s and we did not wear seatbelts back then. Yeah. And it's a, it's a miracle that I walked away completely fine. Um. And, and I love your, I, I want to just acknowledge your, your, your positive attitude because not that many people would go through something that you go and have such a positive outlook and be able to say, okay, now what do I need to do to get to the next step? And that's right. really, really remarkable that, that you were able to do that because, you know, let's face it, you know, people, it's very easy to sit in your sorrow and pain. And when I just give up. And I think that, you know, as I mentioned before, I think just being sort of a naive kid and just kind of growing up as an athlete, I think those things really worked in my favor. Um, I, I'm not sure I ever took a moment to really process what had happened until way after it was over. And, um, you know, and so I think that Perhaps I'm still probably dealing with a lot of things that I didn't let out initially, but I think that I, I just learned really early on that if I wanted to, you know, still be a kid and still go to the movies with my friends and go to school, then I just needed to do those things. And any sort of living in the past or, or really like dwelling on what had happened wasn't going to get me there. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right, and, and and sometimes it's hard to to recognize that when you're in the moment, but things could always be worse, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, and you know, in my experience, just being in that um, brain injury and um, spinal cord injury hospital, I mean that that was a really eye opening experience for me at that age, because you're right, there was always somebody that was worse off than me, and there were a lot of things that I was grateful for. Um, not having a traumatic brain injury is one of those things. Two of the people from my car accident that night actually did sustain brain injuries. And um, one of them was, was a, a pretty severe brain injury to where she had to relearn how to talk, walk, eat, all of those things. Oh my and gosh. 
so so very early on I was very thankful to have what I did have you know um and I think that that I carried that with me always and was able to really just be the best me knowing that I still had a lot to carry well and one of your friends was killed in the car mm-hmm. accident mm-hmm. and that that right there must have been extremely difficult you know and I, I look back to that and I you know a, a really early on when I was in the hospital I had I had a lot of morphine and drugs going into me and so I was doing all sorts of hallucinating and and had really vivid dreams and I remember dreaming about him and that he had moved to Arkansas and that was how my brain was processing he had moved and that we would talk on the phone and, and it was and it's really really telling looking back at that that it was just my child's brain trying to figure out what had happened and to put it somewhere well, and it's probably I, I would well I would imagine I don't know for sure that there's some sort of post traumatic stress going on as well, totally. yeah. and that probably was how your brain was dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, my brother died when I was 12 years old, and the trauma of that situation and having to walk up and see him in dead in an open casket. I made up a story for years that he wasn't really dead and that he was Mm -hmm. in the witness protection program or that he was, you know, a spy. And, and of course, eventually I, you know, grew up and realized Mm -hmm. that, no, that, that is not the case. Die. And the interesting thing is that once a year I have a dream about him and he, I open up the front door and he's standing there and we hug and, you know, so it's always like, okay, well, he visits me in my dreams now, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, but I learned that it was post-traumatic stress disorder that, that you're, especially as a, as a young adult, mm-hmm. um, our brain protects you, like you were saying. Yeah. From remembering or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Okay. You get through high school and everything. And I, um, you were an athlete. So talk about some of the things, because I know I love in your bio, and I, and I will I will share this in the beginning that we, you have so many stories and things to tell that you did the only thing you could do, which was write a book, which I love that. So so share with me um, some of the some of your experiences because I see that you became a swim coach and a high school teacher, mm-hmm. and, and, and and things like that. You know, like it's that. so funny because I think that um, I never wanted to be a teacher. I never want. I never really thought about coaching. But all these things sort of fell into my lap. And looking back, it was a way for me to connect with young people and share my stories and lessons and just try to be able to inspire younger people. Um, and that's and that's really how all of those things happened. And um, and so looking back, like of course, of course, that's why that happened. Of course, I did that. Um, you know, and I fought it really hard for a while, actually, with the teaching. I had been coaching for several years, and um, the school that I was coaching high school swimming at was the school that I went to. And the oh. principal had approached me and said, you know, you would really be a great teacher. And I fought her so hard for so long. And then finally, I kind of was like, okay, well, that, you know, you might have something to it. Let's, let's talk more. And, you know, it, it was something that it was, it, 
I, I really believe that things happen for a reason. And, um, and especially I think in my life, so many things happen really easily, really quickly, with little effort on my part. And, um, and I think that becoming a teacher was definitely one of those. And I really was proud of myself and worked really hard at it. And, um, I, stopped teaching when my first child was born. That was sort of how I stopped teaching. And that's probably the only reason I stopped teaching. Well, what a blessing though, right? That you were able to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know very, yeah, I don't know very much about your condition, mm-hmm. but I would imagine that that would be something that would be hard. You know, there's not a lot of information. There are not a ton of women that are paralyzed that have had babies. There are definitely a lot of women that have that are paralyzed, but there's there's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of resources. And so it was kind of, it was a really wonderful time being pregnant. And it was also a really, really scary time. Because I, I wanted a lot of answers that just didn't exist in the world. Um, mm. And some of that is because People with spinal cord injuries, everybody's injury is a little bit different. There's not this like cookie cutter mold right. of, you know, you're right. paralyzed at this level. And so these are all the things that happens to you. It's not like that. And so I don't blame the world for not having better resources, but um, it certainly didn't help me um, and, my, yeah. and ease any of my fears. And I actually, I have two babies. And so my firstborn, once, once I figured out the pregnancy and labor delivery with him, I thought, oh, okay, like I can figure this out with the second. And that is not the case. He was completely different. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two boys? I do. I do. I have an eight-year-old and an almost three-year-old. Um, in, in terms of just a little bit, I'll give you a little bit of um, my labor and delivery with my firstborn, we were you know, my, my OB, my husband, everybody, we didn't know if I was going to be able to feel contractions. We didn't know if I was going to know if I was in labor or not. And that was the big, the big scary piece of that. And, um, long story short, I did not feel contractions and I was lucky enough to have a general appointment one morning to kind of check the progress. I was at 38 weeks pregnant at the time. My OB I just, I remember she just kept telling me that things like everything looks great. You know, your body so well, you're going to go full term. This is wonderful. And she said, let me just check you real quick. And then she stands up sharply and says, I feel hair. You've got to go to the hospital. And so it's like, so you were in labor. Oh no. My water had broken and I had no idea. I had coached a swim practice that morning. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so luckily we made it to the hospital with plenty of time. My son was born, um, you know, with really little medical intervention. And so that was really wonderful. But then of course, like my second pregnancy, all I could worry about was I was going to give birth at any given moment of any given day. And I would like wake myself up at night and like feel around the bed to make sure there wasn't a baby lying there. (laughs) And so that was, that was a little bit, that was a little bit rough. Um, he actually, um, with that pregnancy, uh, my OB was willing to schedule an induction at 39 weeks. Yes. And, um, and so we figured that that was great. That was safe. 
and I felt a little bit better about it. Um, but then darn it, he's such a sneaky little one. The night before I was going to be induced, I kept having this like weird side ache. And he always sat um, sort of positioned in my belly, like to the side. And so I thought, could you feel him inside of you? Yeah. Yeah. But not in like, you know, I don't really know what sense, like a, a dull sort of side sense. Well, and so he kept, I kept thinking he kept moving to the side position and I was telling everybody about it. I coached a swim meet that night. Um, and you know, if I really would, and I just kind of told myself that it's not contractions. I don't feel it. I'm getting induced tomorrow. But then sure enough, the next morning I went, I told my husband not even to go with me to the induction because everything I had read said it takes forever. And I get into to the hospital room and, um, I begin telling the nurse, you know, I have had this like weird side ache and I can kind of feel it in my teeth. It's a really weird feeling. And so she hooks me up to the contraction monitor and darn it, I was in active labor and he was born two hours later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, hey, what a blessing for you though. I I mean, that's, that's really (laughs) incredible. Good for you. You deserve that for sure. (laughs) So you were on the Paralympic swim team. So I was a part of Paralympic swimming, but I actually never swam at the Paralympics. Okay. I swam at Paralympic trials. And that's oh, actually nice. Where, yeah, that's actually, well, I, I swam at the Paralympic trials, trials twice, 2012. And um, I had just spent two years solidly training. Um, I, was, I was still teaching full time. I was coaching. I was getting up at 3.30 every morning so that I could go swim and train on my own. And then I was paying all sorts of money to fly to different venues so that I could compete. And I really just, um, I had just made a promise to myself that I wanted to give it one last try and really like put everything that I possibly could into this and see where it took me. And um, so I ended up going to the trials that year and I swam really, really well. And I felt really, really great about it. And, um, but I didn't make the team. And I was so worried that. You know, I was, I had spent so much energy thinking about that moment that I never spent any energy thinking about the moment after. And so at that point, I was, you know, I, it was kind of like me sitting there going, okay, are you going to cry? Are you going to cry? How are you? And, but I was actually so content because I knew that I had done everything in my power and I had nothing to look back and say, I, w- I wish I would have done that one extra practice or that, you know, there was no regret. I had done everything and I'd done it all right. Um, and, and I was really proud of it. Um, and not Good. to mention, I also ended up, that was the same instance that I met my husband. <laughs> so oh, he <laughs> is he a swimmer? He, he was a coach at the time. And so a coach. Okay. He was coaching, um, another athlete that was trying to make the Paralympic team. And we had just very briefly crossed paths and exchanged numbers. We were going to talk about Paralympic swimming and how it's like very different. He was very new in the world of of it. And um, he lived on the other side of of the U.S. And so we did a little bit of Skyping. And um, long story short, we were married three months after we met. You just have such an amazing story. Wow. I'm so happy for you. Okay. Let's talk about your book. 
Last but not least, let's talk about your book. What is it called? It's called When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a Chair. And um, it's, it's, <laughs> Sorry. No, I love no. your sense of humor. It's a, I love it's your sense play, of your humor. Certainly a play on words, but there's actually some truth to it. There's a, a very small story about me being a preschool age kid. And, you know, everybody always asks what you want to be. And there was a point in my life when I was, you know, four, three or four, that I told my parents I wanted to be a chair when I grew up. So there is some truth to it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and I, I've always tried to okay. where did that come from? <laughs> and um, right. the only thing I can think of is at the time I had a baby sister. And so I thought, you know, maybe I thought if, if I was a chair, they would let me hold her. Or that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why I would want to um. be a chair. But, um, so, but it ends up being, you know, a really fun way to honor my story. So how does that relate to your story? Like the title, like what's, if um, somebody says you like, what does that mean? Like, how would you explain that? Well, and, and so, you know, I, one thing that I um, try to share with people is that, you know, everybody has their own chair, um, something that you are either bound to or something that defines you without your um, your intention. Um, and it's kind of what you do with that, that really matters. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so recognizing that there's a big piece of acceptance of your chair and um, being able to really look and rise above whatever those things are that are going to otherwise hold you back and being able to get up from it. Love it. Now, um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Like, find you? Yeah, you have I do a website. Have a website. You know, that kind yeah, of my website is my full name, okay. RyanLeeHarbuck.com. My book is on Amazon, and currently there is a paperback and Kindle version. Um, and I really, really hope to develop an audiobook version as well. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. I love it. I love it. Ryan, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. And I just so admire your courage and resilience in life, well, really. Thank you. Thank you. This so thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Ryan just really it just embodies that word and how she was able to be 16 years old and paralyzed and just didn't even think twice and just figured out what to do next and she has an amazing life now. We can learn so much from her story. You can learn more about Ryan on her website, which is ryanrayharbuck.com and I will make sure that is in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to learn more about me, please visit my website at sandyscarlotta.com. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.